0: of will breaks all boundaries
1: as above so below
2: magic I've come to realize is a new
3: way of seeing our own world something divine truly does exist
0: you're listening to the culture shock podcast with your host dave oscuro
3: thank you everyone welcome to another episode of the culture shock podcast i'm your host dave I am joined by an excellent panel of uh, amazing people, two of my oldest friends, who are also the co-host of the Regrettable Century podcast. Chris and Jason will be joining us.
1: What's up? Yeah, we're not that old.
3: Well, (laughs) we're getting there pretty fast. Yeah. And dating coach and professional tarot reader, Christine Phelan, is rejoining us this month. Hey there. And of course, as always, my partner not only in life, but also in art. Miss Ophelia is joining us from the Coffins and Coffee podcast. Hello. By the way, Ophelia is Jess. Everyone knows us at this point.
1: Oh, sorry. I was about to ask if that was a secret.
3: (laughs) eh, Not really. (laughs) interchangeable. No
0: one knows who I am anyway. Everyone does. (laughs) I don't exist.
3: So since we last recorded, there's a couple of things that occurred that were kind of a big deal, I guess, especially in in the world of spirituality. Um, The biggest, of course, was the Great Conjunction, which was this sort of... um, uh, astrological happening where Saturn and Jupiter appeared in the night sky, not only very vividly, but also it, they seem to be aligned in very, in very close proximity to one another. There's also a full moon, I think, that happened on the 30th maybe. And, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of – there's all kinds of those kind of things. The solstice was occurring. It was occurring. a
0: solar eclipse.
3: It was a solar eclipse, exactly. So I just thought we could start off talking about – there's a certain schools of thought there's lots of schools of thought certainly within many spiritual um centers that that lean very heavily on the impact that astrological events have on our personal lives you hear it all the time like whatever planet Mercury's in retrograde or um it's a full moon people are going crazy i i'm just curious how that has ever really impacted your life or maybe it doesn't at all maybe you're not one of those folks that sort of leans into that or buys into that for that matter.
2: I'm not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. I just uh, never been able to wrap my mind around it. Um, And uh, I've never noticed any changes uh, to my life based on, what's going on around me. And I've paid attention, too, just... Sure, yeah. Just for the sake of, like... You know, because I'm, I'm interested in this sort of thing. Um, primarily academically, but I have paid attention to this sort of thing, and it hasn't really manifested any, like, uh, changes that were noticeable to me. Let's just gotcha. say that. yeah,
3: Makes sense. Christine?
0: Um, well, I have mixed feelings on uh, astrology and uh, the magic of the stars. I'm obviously extremely obsessed with... Um, space and stars and my one of my latest hobbies has been um, astrophotography but despite oh, yeah. that um, many people I think would say that there's different paths that you can take towards um, enlightenment and two, ma- two of those main paths are astrology or tarot. I think that all of us here at the podcast um, would probably be stronger in the path of tarot tarot than astrology Mm -hmm. um but that's not to say that i disregard everything in astrology and i certainly um align my rituals with the phases of the moon and all that and i mean as a practitioner of of love magic i tend to do most of my work on fridays so i don't discount everything but i'm
3: For those who don't know, Uh, mm -hmm. Friday is the day that corresponds with the planetary energy of Venus, which, of course, is associated with love. Mm -hmm. So um, there's there's, you know, different types of ritual work that you can you can um, make as acutely aligned with days and even hours that correspond with certain energies to amplify said energy. Mm
1: -hmm. Even even casual fans of the cure already know this. That's right.
3: That's exactly it. Robert yeah. Smith was a magician. Do- Jason has doxed another magician, uh, in Robert Smith. Grand, grand, so give you an age. idea of what I think
1: about closed practices,
3: <laughs> and we will get to that. We Sorry, Christine's to that. trying to talk though. <laughs> no. Well, what about you, Jason? Yeah. what are, What are your feelings on it? Like, do you, do you? Um, uh, we, we we sorely missed you last month, but um, I'm curious. Like, what have you? Uh, as you've sort of walked the path of, of spirituality and and certain mysticism, have you noticed any sort of impact on your life when there are certain celestial happenings occurring?
1: Hmm. So the first thing I think I want to say about it is um, I did, I I was curious what is considered the accepted science because the idea here is typically that the, The notion typically is that, you know, that science and magic are at odds. And so you're either Mm -hmm. a person who is, uh, you know, scientifically minded or you're a person who is not. Um, That's the common conception. So according to the uh, Royal Museum of Greenwich in the United Kingdom, the science is inconclusive as to whether or not the moon affects mental health, menstrual cycles, sleep patterns, etc. Which is a far cry from no, it does not. Right, and Especially I think that that's the scientific important. Community. Right, I think that that's important. That is to say that the the for most of human history, it's been accepted that it does, and then since right. the age of technological progress and the scientific revolution and the demystification of the world that is associated with what we call advancement in society, um, we've gone from it definitely does to I don't know. And that's Which basically think- what my answer is too. I'm not certain what I can say about it. Um, But like Christine, I would say that I I do at least use the phases of the moon to mark time. And it does inform my, let's call it my habits, my approach to ritual and to life more generally. I definitely pay attention, but I wouldn't say that I could say, uh, you know, the wolf supermoon versus the harvest moon versus the lunar eclipse. And I don't have a record of how those days were different.
3: Gotcha. Jess? Ophelia? Jess, Ophelia
0: Jess? Um, <laughs> I, th- I think the psychology behind um, people paying attention to those sorts of astrological events is kind of interesting because you do find a lot of people that don't have a genuine interest or have not participated in any sort of study of those sorts of astrological events Um are the people that are the most outspoken about being affected by said astrological events. And I think there's a certain psychology behind like manifestation of mood Mm. and things like that. Like if, you know, if if you sit there and you're like, my day is going to be crummy. It's going to be a crummy day. It's going to be a shit day. Mercury's in retrograde. Everyone's crazy. It's going to be fucked. You're probably going to have a shitty day. Right. So I think there's a certain psychology like behind that. It's, It's something I think people have to be kind of wary of.
3: I, I, th- I think I agree. I mean, look, I am someone who who also, like, sort of in a consensus, hasn't terribly found that um, things like full moons or, or eclipses have affected me. And, and in fact, like, I know within certain circles, especially within, like, the neo-paganistic and witch communities, the idea of doing magic or making moon water, like, during certain, like, eclipses, for example, is there's um, – just to put it gently, attention—if not an outright avoidance of it—I've done it, and my so exact so from a day-to-day experience, I don't find it affecting me greatly. Um, that being said, I, I do notice an impact when I do ritual work on full moons and on bigger slash. Celest- I tend to feel a greater um, a greater energy flow, I guess. It impacts me heavily, but much like if you go to the gym and you, like, lift really, really heavy one day, like, you really push yourself, I'm completely spent the next day. So, when I started doing, like, ceremonial magic, that's when I noticed an impact. Like, I almost, I'm starting to lean, I don't know if I'm leaning towards not doing rituals on full moons and things of that nature, but knowing that the next day I'm going to have to really push myself to get myself up and do it because I won't want to, I'll fall really super spent
0: needing um, spiritual gains bro i guess
3: what it is maybe i'm, I'm spiritually out of shape which is probably <laughs> accurate
0: get spiritual
3: legs exactly and the other thing i um came to realize i was watching a um I don't, i'm trying to remember if it was either a damien nichols video or if it was something i read in a book but it was they were talking about you know when you have um when people look at like astrology and they talk about their sign like my sign is pisces and if you read everything that's written about Pisces, it's fairly fucking accurate. If you know me at all, it's it's pretty dead on. That being said, so I, I think that there is probably something to be said for us leaning in directions, right? Due to our birth date and how the stars align and all that, you know, we're all made of the same stardust, right? So I could I could, without fully understanding it, I could accept that there is probably some influence there. But I think for me personally, as a ceremonial magician, my job is to balance life and balance energies. And so I've started leaning away from being uh, a Pisces Cusperis, right? And, and letting that inform my personality and really started moving more towards, okay, if I have an overabundance of a water sign or a water and a fire sign, then maybe I need to put some work in to earth and air signs because I'm out of balance, and for me, it's very important to be in balance with the different elements as it affects my mood so that I'm never w- too much one way or another. If that's that makes sense. A, that's right.
0: exactly what um, Franz Bardone teaches in his um, introdu- introduction into Hermetics. Um, he has you do this really extensive and deep um, self uh criticizing for a couple weeks where you write down every single bad trait um, that comes up in your day-to-day life and then he has you assign it to an element um and then you can tell like where you're lacking or you know what you need to work on so that's exactly what you're saying and i i did try to do that and it was pretty helpful actually
3: I think that I think that when it comes to spirituality, finding a method to informing your own internal balance of severity and mercy or emotion or coldness or materialism and spirit is is definitely important because at at the in the end of the day, whether you're an ego paganistic or chaos magician or whatever it may be. um, the, The pentagram that's used in so much of the ritual work is about balance of five different things. And, and I think that we – I think to, to Jess's point, I think it's pretty common that people say, oh, well, I'm having a shitty day. So, oh, it's is Mercury's in retro- retrograde. That's why, right? Mm. Instead of doing the work necessary to sort of balance that out so that those things uh, don't affect you. So maybe what the conclusion is is that the five of us are very balanced individuals who are no longer feeling the drastic pull that comes from the stars and the moon and, and the sun perhaps. I don't know.
0: Maybe I'm just too much of an Aries. <laughs> You're definitely an Aries. So
1: <laughs> One speed, go. So there are a couple of things about the, the, the question of astrology, and I think it's complicated. And any attempt to oversimplify it is probably wrong. So there's like, you know, you, you encounter plenty of people who say, yeah, I read my horoscope and it sounds vague and general enough to be basically true of anybody. And so obviously it's bullshit. Right. And then you meet other people who say, yeah, I read my horoscope and it turned out to be exactly perfectly accurate and it always does. Um, and so whatever. It's, astrology is treated as like that's the the garbage version of how to look at the stars and astronomy is the serious version of how to look at the stars. And so historically speaking, they're the same thing. Like the Babylonians, the Egyptians, they didn't make a distinction between the two. The discipline of astronomy is the discipline of astrology. It's the study of the stars. Right. Um so again, to me, the the first thing to deal with when talking about such things is the um, the overcorrection in the sort of anti-clerical, uh, in, in the way that you know there's a there's a wave of of political movements that try to move away from the rule of the church over society in Europe, which also has comes with it a desire to get away from anything that smacks of um, the intangible, anything that you can't. Right prove in a laboratory setting um and i think that that's actually deeply unscientific too so what exactly i think about the impact that your birth has on you know on your personality relative to the position of the stars i don't i don't i don't think i can say for certain but i do think that it does appear to be the case that People do tend to fit the profiles of the the signs that they're born under. And I don't know if that's primarily enculturated and subconscious or if there is something that we haven't fully examined in the science or if it's exactly what, you know, the Magi saw in the sky when they were looking for the birth of the King of Kings that comes down to us in the form of the biblical story of the birth of Christ. I don't know. But I don't think it's worth dismissing out of hand because I don't think much is worth dismissing out of hand.
3: Well, and we talked about this a little bit last podcast about how science has become an ism. And and it's and it's just just, I think, Christopher, maybe it was you that said this, like in the same way that people proclaim to be, say, a Christian and have a a rudimentary. And I'm being very generous knowledge of what that means. They've simply just declared themselves that and, and therefore it informs their decisions with actually a, a complete lack of understanding um i think in the same manner a lot of folks have sort of and i you know we have friends who are like this they're like oh it, this is all uh, woo woo you know it's 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 science has dismissed it but like to your point jason like science hasn't dismissed it outright it may and, and it's such strange because it seems so counterintuitive to the way the nature of science which is to constantly be in a state of discovery right to constantly be in a state of seeking out how to explain things. I mean, many of the things that were a a century ago considered magic, like magnets, you know, now are, are firmly rooted in science. Even if some folks still don't understand how they work.
1: I was going to say, I know that the question has been asked in a, in a, in a very public way.
3: (laughs) And, and I think that that's the, you know, for me personally, I, I actually don't find to be there to be a great disconnect between magic and science i think that um especially when you start looking into the way quantum physics works and many of the questions that it has opened up i think that there are lots of things that are just not explained yet and maybe they will be explained at some point um there's there's been some studies about collective consciousness there's been studies about energy work there's been studies about uh, like reiki and things of that nature and and every time I look it up, it tends to, if I look up like a true scientific journal, a lot of times it seems to be un- inconclusive. We don't know. It does well, something mm-hmm. and we don't know why.
1: Right. And you know, for people who um, are actually scientists and not just believers in science, like a, an uninformed lay person's relationship to a, a scripture that they can't read. Uh, like the John three sixteen <laughs> for the people, for the people who are actually scientists, um, the question of consciousness of the universe working as one giant brain and every constituent element of the universe as being linked to it and manifest being a small manifestation of the broader consciousness that is the universe. That's like, that's real science. That's a real scientific debate and a, and right. a real field of inquiry. So uh, I think I was taught uh, it, by when I was studying anthropology in college, I was taught that there is this thing called religion which is this weird sidestep from what we traditionally understand as witchcraft slash magic and what we now understand as science. Um, But if you you remove the dogma of religion, what you have is a fairly seamless transition of lower and higher forms of science as human beings have developed. And so the anti-religious aspects of science have made us blind to the scientific aspects of our prehistory.
3: Long before Pythagoras actually existed, Sumerians had figured out the same Mathematics and it was Rooted in their spirituality Mm. Right Um, much of the Bible can be interpreted And as I choose to interpret it In in the Sharing of Not only um, spiritual Beliefs but also a lot of astronomy Mm. Is built Mm. into that right it's Built it's in Much of, of what's written in the Bible Can be looked at as The way ancient folks came to understand the world by looking up, looking up at the stars and, and figuring out how it's inner workings that like a clock affected their inner workings of their daily lives and of their lives and of their culture. And I think you're right, Jason, I think over time because of the dogma of specifically the, the the Christian, I would say specifically Western Christian control in a lot of areas, um, has sort of made people really gun shy about accepting that as part of science when in fact it's it's always been interlinked in many ways.
1: Right. And even then it's like it's specifically a variant of Christianity that has a, a lifespan that begins in the early modern period at more or less the same time as what we're calling the scientific revolution. It's not even like whatever. I know this isn't the point of the of the conversation, but it's like I would I think it's worth drawing a distinction between like the broad corpus and time span of what we call Christianity, um, which includes most of its history as being accepting of what we call magic Mm -hmm. and astrology. And then a very brief period of time where, you know, a certain kind of Christian was setting fire to people for doing those things. Yeah. Um,
2: I just, I did this paper on um, Roger Bacon, who was a Franciscan friar an uh, alchemist magician and uh, astrologer and he called magic experimental science because he thought that it you know <coughs> that magic workings weren't it was not necessary to commune with demons to do magic workings you were just harnessing the natural forces of the earth And um, he is one of the forerunners of the scientific method. Like, of course, it's codified later on, like during the Enlightenment. But he's, you know, basically putting the scientific method to the test before the scientific method was invented. And he did stuff like use astrology to figure out where the Bible said the Antichrist was going to come back and stuff like that. (laughs) And he he wanted to do alchemy uh, to help purify the, uh, the mind and the body, uh, in order to be able to create the best possible version of a person in order to be like a good Christian or whatever. So, I mean, sure, yeah. he's like doing all of this stuff that people that magic pr- practitioners these days, um, that, that a lot of Christians, especially specifically, you know, uh, fundamentalist Protestant types would consider, um, you know, witchcraft and evil and sorcery and right. you know whatever else that Roger Bacon would have considered, and not just Roger Bacon, like a lot of, a lot of people within the the medieval academy would have considered to just be doing science. You know? Absolutely. That's not all. So, that's not all the people. Then there were some people that thought it was it was demonic and evil, but you know it was a. Uh, The church as an institution was ambivalent
3: well and i think historically when people feel like certain practices are being done outside of the scope of their control the 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 easiest way to sort of stomp that out is to call it demon or or witchcraft or um conversing with the devil or or things of that nature right scary spooky language to to regain control over whatever it is that they feel like they need to be in control of. Certainly you can't um I think one of the I took a course, I don't know if you guys have ever used like Corsia before. It's sort of accredited courses that you could take. Or you could take there are courses you could take from various accredited schools around the world and it doesn't count towards anything, but it's just for your own higher learning. And um and there was there's certainly you know, various points of time where the reason why certain low practice was considered evil was largely because it could be done without the controlling uh oversight of of the church right they can't have that so you 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 take like a folk magic for example and you say well and also like again I, we mentioned last podcast you can't understate how often this was used to control women and you know women's ability to manage their own bodies so, you, if you make everything evil, then then you can scare people away from certain practices that have been used, for you know, the the since the beginning of people looked up to the stars or looked around the, their local forest to find what was available to them. You have been listening to part one of episode one hundred two of the Culture Shock podcast. Thank you for joining us, and join us next week when we talk about everyone's favorite subject those practices. We wish you a good night, gold rings on you all, and thank you. We'll talk to you next week.